I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on MusicNomadCare.com or on social media with at MusicNomadCare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. I'm back, baby. I'm back. <laughs> you are back. You are back, Matt. You are back uh, after four four weeks, four idle weeks. Yeah, we just um we were talking about it just pre-pod, and I'm just like, how has it been? You know, four weeks. I mean, I was saying to to you, Joe. Yeah, three three months since I got married, and last weekend was the first weekend i've had off wait what it's been three months since three got months since i got married um yeah absolutely yeah it's just been a whirlwind year as as things turn to somewhat normality i guess you know we've even had nam which i i missed because i wasn't really on the pod or paying <laughs> which, any attention to, which is also to in itself unbelievable that you matt knight missed nam uh, yeah it's yeah first time i haven't been since 2017 um so yeah i missed a lot of friends it sounds like a lot of friends weren't even there um <laughs> but uh yeah roland and boss didn't have a booth so we weren't there um this year um but yeah it's just a, a lot feels like it's it's just happened over the last few months and uh things seem to be picking up remarkable pace both in the guitar world, it seems, um, and also in life, general life. It, it does feel like that. It does feel like the guitar world has opened up. I sort of, I, I, I kind of echo what you're, what you're saying almost just about Nam. Like I feel like I've gone from being like, oh yeah, stuff is sort of a manageable pace, and I think it's that manageable pace that you get used to because of everything that's happened over the last couple of years. All of a sudden, everything's opened back up and been a thing again, and I've been like, oh god. Just, just trying to keep up with everything has been uh... yeah well um you know not to say that covid has disappeared or you know changed the lives of many hundreds of thousands of people uh you know personally or in uh, as well as indirectly but you know i had a bunch of my team my work team come over um first time i'd seen them all in person as a group uh since they joined my team Wow. Um, in is that, is that October 20... That's just Europe. So Hungary, Denmark, Italy, France, 
um the uk um obviously i have one person there and uh belgium and they all started on my team in october 2020 so that was already in the pandemic and you just think that that feels so long ago (laughs) well i mean it was two years ago you know it feels so so long ago and it's the first time that loads of them had seen each other face to face you know i think the first comment from one of the guys to the other was like oh you have legs because they'd only (laughs) ever seen them on on a on a team's call and um they kept when they all came over they were like it's amazing like no one's wearing a mask or you know everything feels like normal and i'm like yes you know, I think we were the first country to kind of do that. Oh, and were we? Oh, right. Yeah, so a lot of places that they'd come from had been, I think apart from maybe Denmark, a lot of other places still been like relatively cautious. I see. I Unfortunately. See. Yeah, Scandinavia um, was quick to the mark of, of, of uh, you know. Yeah, it, Scandinavia did things very differently, I think, because they were very late to the mark in terms of any sort of lockdown as well. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, Japan's still not very open. Really? Uh, wow. Yeah, I follow a lot of Japanese vloggers and and podcasters, and uh, yeah, Japan is still completely closed to tourists um, at the moment. So no, no Japan for me. Uh, in the future, I was um, listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about hard off, and it made oh, me remember how off. good hard off was. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to go back to Japan and the ultimate pre-owned guitar shop. Exactly, there's not really even a guitar shop. shop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it feels like I think even this year I've been to six or seven gigs so far, and like you know, relatively big bands, and got another three or four booked in. Like it's just wow. like you know, amazing to go out and see some people and see some music. Although oh. a distinct lack of amplifiers anywhere to be seen um in pretty much all the gigs that i've been to apart from the small pub gigs well you go to larger shows than me matt i think my taste tends to be a, a little bit more niche but certainly i'm i'm starting to book up shows as well and, and I've, I've spoken about it on the the last few, some of the month of episodes that you haven't been on where where i've been going to shows and it's it's funny to see the bands that aren't playing with amplifiers to the bands that are playing with amplifiers maybe Mm. we'll go into this later in the book in the podcast but um it has turned me around absolutely you know like if you take six months ago me or any sort of pandemic version of this podcast i was being like absolutely uh i think everything you know why wouldn't you want to go class d digital why wouldn't you want to have stuff that's lightweight that's small having now watch gigs i was like oh that's why <laughs> because it's still all rubbish i i am fully now <laughs> fully now back in valve stroke solid state territory i i don't care how much things weigh i know weight was a big thing for me for for a long time like a, well not just the fact that i've put on weight during lockdown but, <laughs> but but the weight of gear i was like yeah i care about this stuff i don't care about this stuff anymore um we'll go into it later in the podcast but absolutely having watched gigs i'm like yeah the people that care about lightweight stuff or digital stuff are the people that don't gig because if you gig there is an undeniable massive gulf uh still a massive gulf no matter what size gig you're going to there's a huge gulf there and so that, that that's that's the uh the hill i'm dying on but yeah i think um yeah, I'm sure there's there's lots to to dive into there. But I mean, even 
I guess it's a mix now, isn't it? I'm seeing like, oh, I guess one of the gigs that I went to during the space of the month that I wasn't on, which we can touch on very briefly, was I saw the best, possibly, I would say, the best live band I've ever seen. I've seen them five times now, um, and that's Meshuggah. Uh, and I saw them play at the Royal Albert Hall, which was just wow. like, th- you know, what a venue to see such uh, just immense music. And of course, like so much of their sound and vibe is just all just like there's nothing on stage at all. Um, They they went back to Mesa Boogie recently, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I don't know whether the last live album is um, was Real Amps or the the last album they recorded, which came out recently, Immutable, if whether that's got Real Amps on it or not, because the album before that did have. But again, like an ampler stage. But it, uh, the reason I mention it is the band that supported was a band called Zeal and Ardor. Have you ever heard? Oh of this? my goodness! You went to this same gig. So actually, quite a few of the Polymath band members went to this gig. Oh really? But actually, oh, but, but but not so much for Meshuggah. Meshuggah definitely because you know Meshuggah are, are great. But actually, for Zeal and Ardor, there, there are bands that we all really love explain yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear what you thought uh, define zeal and do you know it was it was weird because my mate kind of described he sort of said oh if you've never heard of him like they've got roots in a lot of like like blues music and like his yes. lyrics and his themes yeah, chain gang chain gang blues is it's like chain gang blues meets tech metal i would mm. say that's that's how i'd describe that band and <laughs> three three singers including the lead guitarist which i was just like because you and the funny the funny thing was the two just singers one was really small and really skinny and one was like quite big with like really long hair they were like <laughs> the total opposites of each other but i tell you what really stuck out for me in that band was the sound the bass tone the bass tone was just immense i have no idea what again no amps which is why why i mentioned it, it was all just like i'm pretty sure it was all it must have been Helix, because I'm sure the guitar wow. player, one of the guitar players was u- using a shuriken. Right, really? Wow, that's yeah, interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure, but the bass sounded amazing. It does depend um, what record you listen to of theirs, but they didn't actually even always have a drummer. Um, oh, really? That stuff is just, uh, is, is just uh, sequenced. You know? Oh, they're Swiss. I didn't even realise they were Swiss. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought, you know, when you listen to it, you can go... This is why everyone like Neil's before Meshuggah because that band effectively influenced everything. Like yeah. in terms of that, there's just no denying that Meshuggah are just so unbelievably influential in no, all yeah. of that. If you want to talk about that. heavy guitar tones and taking it to the next level of heavy guitar tones, I think Meshuggah will always go down as being you know, mm, one of the most important bands for that sort of thing. A- absolutely. But um, yeah, I, I I don't think seeing them live was probably necessarily the best way to get into that band. I feel that you probably have to kind of listen to them on record and the record is perhaps a bit more of an experience. But live, they were pretty, they were pretty mental. I was like, it was heavy, it was loud. I mean, it was a great place to see them, like Albert Hall, amazing venue. How many How many times have you seen Meshuggah, Matt? Uh, five. Five. Wow. Yeah, five times. And yes, um, you know, Arc Tangent Festival was obviously probably the mo- the biggest crowd I've seen them play in front of. Really? Wow. That was the biggest crowd. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... the, the weird was thing- like 5,000, 7,000 maybe? They... At Octangent, I think. Yeah, I think the thing about Meshuggah is they did a live album 
about 10 years ago and a live dvd and like whenever you saw gigs in like europe they were always relatively small and then as soon as they played japan they were playing like these huge huge arenas <laughs> and, and i think their influence is far and wide but their their perhaps their following is still very cult in a lot of places right, because right. they are you know a very very distinct band um but to be fair the best time I ever saw them uh, was actually the second time I ever saw them, which was the second time at Concord 2 in Brighton. And that gig was just amazing. I can't I mean- believe you saw them at Concord 2. <laughs> uh, dear listener, just, just to put in, in perspective, I, I don't know the capacity on Concord 2. I'm just going to have it's a look a at weir- it. It's, it's a weird layout. It feels sub a thousand. It's like it re- 600 people. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it wasn't sold out either. Um, that is... I mean, I love... The, the great thing about the Concord 2 is the sound there is incredible. It's very, very good. And it's one of those venues that seems to get bands ahead of their station. Like, I've seen... Um, uh, I've seen Antimusk there, who were the, the iteration after the Mars Volta. Mm. Um, you know, you know, like, you, you tend to see great, you know, pretty well-to-do bands there in very in a very small venue you know yeah absolutely and um i've seen a lot of amazing gigs there um and uh talking of meshuggah the other side of the coin of meshuggah that pretty much are the uh the godfathers of the kind of modern gent movement sixth um have also reformed with the original lineup for a one-off gig the um the Electric Ballroom in November. Wow. So I have tickets to that as well, which will be. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Amazing. Um, but yeah, I've seen some some pretty good bands in some pretty small venues. And uh, that's I, and that's what I'm all about. I know it sounds a bit snobby, but there's been a few bands recently where I'm like, oh they're they're playing and then you look where you're they're playing and you're like oh, do you know what i don't really want to go and watch a band at the o2 
I know that sounds really lame, but I'm no, like... No, that's not lame. That's exactly just... how I feel about all shows. I, I don't want to go and stand at the back and see people... Like, you know, it annoys me more than anything that one of my favourite bands in the world are The Cure. And if you go and watch The Cure at a gig, the chances are that that show will have a golden circle. And it, and I don't I don't know if Golden Circle exists outside of the UK. I, whenever I see shows in Europe, it feels like they have their stages laid out much better. But certainly in the UK, and I, I might be you know this might be obvious to everyone. I, I might have missed something that everyone has. But a Golden Circle means that if you pay a bunch extra, you actually get to stand and watch the band. And if you don't pay that bunch extra, you've still paid a hundred pound plus for the ticket but you are so far back that you have to watch them on a tv screen anyway yeah yeah exactly that's, and that's that's every cure show i've ever been to and yeah. i love those guys i don't think they're responsible for it by the way i think no i awesome, think but. you know yeah very very often i guess or not very often you, you you do get a band where they're like oh we want to play like some club shows or something like that uh or perhaps a band that has fallen out of favor that's come back into favour, still aren't big enough to play the biggest of venues, but just enough to play like four or 5,000 cap venues, um, which is why I'm lucky enough to have tickets to see Limp Bizkit at the Brixton O2. <laughs> Boys, yeah. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. This is what, how many years are between us, man? Like four, five, something like that? Uh, no, three. Three, 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 three years. years between us. That well, that clearly is enough. Um, enough yeah, because to absolutely not care about the things that you. Well, care I, about. I guess when Rolling was number one in the UK, that was what nine, two thousand. That seemed like 000? old Limp Biscuit for me. Um, that uh, seemed like sellout level Limp Biscuit. Yeah, to I me. mean, uh, it was, and it was great <laughs> at the time, and then you forget about it for twenty years, and then you come back to it twenty years later, and you're like. Ah, this is brilliant. Uh, 2000, so I would have been 13. So you'd have been 16. Wow. So you would have probably been... My first, you know, yeah. My first Reading Festival was 1999. So, yeah. Oh, uh, that was a good year. Um, good year. Rage Against the Machine was still doing it then, and they're still doing it now. Yeah, um, I always think Reading has... <laughs> no offence to anyone that's played Reading, and, it, and I have been a few times, and, you know, on the odd day trip, never really... Uh, st- done the, the camping thing um the lineup seems the same every year um but you know you would have seen well red hot chili peppers they they definitely uh that was one of the headlines blur and the charlatans that's a yeah. weird one for it, uh it was good charlatans was chemical good. brothers though definitely would have been into the chemical brothers then um, it was very good 2000 was better I, me- I remember 2000 quite um you know quite distinctly because it at reading 2000 you had slipknot headlining but they foolishly put blink 182 on the band before and that meant that you had <laughs> all of the punk rockers and all of the metal guys who at that point in the uk dear listener hated each other so all the guys wearing boiler suits who don't shower and all all of the all of the people in like baggy shorts uh, with bleach blonde hair all having to share the same space and of course all the people who wanted to see slipknot were trying to get through to the front all the guys who were there to see blink wanted to be at the front and it caused such fights and there was just such there was such a ba- a constant battle, a constant punch up going on it's, at, um, at the uh, at the front of that state. It was one of the worst years for I think like uh, violence at Reading. You know? It's um it's crazy, isn't it? Like I, l- if you go back to yeah when we were like 
13, 14, 15, whatever, and, and you look at the bands that were headlining and the bands were like below it, and you go, where are some of these bands now? And how some have like endured like such a massive like career length. I mean, that day, I'm just looking here, uh, the Super Suckers, followed by A, followed by Daphne and Celeste. Honestly, was that the year oh, that they I, just got I, bottles yeah, of... Yeah, I remember. Um, I was there. I remember the Daphne and Celeste year. Dear listener, unless you are UK-based, you will not know who Daphne and Celeste are. Please go and check them out. In fact, there are definitely videos of Daphne and Celeste getting... They had... And this is terrible. I don't, like Retrospectively, this isn't a good thing, but this is something that occurred at Reading. Um, they were bottled off stage, but it was like, it was awful. They you know, lasted like, three songs. Um, yeah. There was, you know, we in oh, bottles. I'm sure you would have. Them. Like, at the time, I remember being, you know, whatever, 16, 17, and thinking it was the coolest thing because I, <laughs> I guess, you know, actually being considerate to human beings hadn't quite occurred at that state in the in the early 2000s i was a product of that but retrospectively daphne and celeste deserved a better crack of the whip than i think they, they i think they did there. they did come back in like a later year but daphne and celeste followed by blink 182 followed by rage <laughs> against the machine followed by slipknot placebo and yeah. then the stereophonics i mean <laughs> you know ultimately out of those like who have become the biggest band? I, I would argue that probably Slipknot have oh, ended Slipknot, up being without the, a doubt now, yeah. The biggest possible band out of that. And probably in terms of records sold and just in terms of sheer lasting popularity. Yeah. Um, I, guess you, I guess you're right. Who'd have thought? But yeah, absolutely. And then yeah. I've still never listened to a record. I still couldn't <laughs> name a track. <laughs> that's terrible. They're they're amazing. I, I, I actually think they are very, very good, and that's that's a, a that's a negative on me, not on them. I'm just I'm just looking at some of the other bands going, Who are these people and what happened to them? <laughs> well, because uh, back then uh, you had uh, the punk rock stage there was a dedicated punk rock stage at Reading called the Concrete Jungle. Yes. Um, where and that's where all you got the proper punk bands like Blink could play, uh, you know, the main stage, but then you'd have like, uh, you know, bands like Rancid uh, would would play the Concrete Jungle. You know, it was a uh, yeah. And then, oh man, what a time to be alive! Even two thousand one, Eminem, Marilyn Manson, Papa Roach, Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> that was the Naked show. That was the show where their old bass player just turned up naked. Brilliant. You know, can't get couldn't do that. <laughs> I don't think you could probably do that now. Um, yeah, brilliant! What what a time to be! What a time to be a teenager! Uh, and that's why I'm going to Limp Biscuit at the age of 35. <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's what you're doing. Yeah, but okay. So away from music, let's talk about some uh, let's talk about some guitar stuff, as that's uh, kind of what we're here to do. Obviously, Matt, you've been away for a month. There's been Nam, not a, not a massive amount of releases at Nam. We've spoken about a lot of them, um, you know, in your absence, and we'll, we'll, we're going to come back to a few awesome ones later in the podcast that we haven't spoken about yet. But whilst you've been away, you've uh, you, oh, you purchased something that was still doesn't... absolutely mad. I couldn't believe that this was true when you messaged us <laughs> to say that this is something I, that you have done. I, I knew it'd be. Um more to you than it would to uh to to, to jay or mark oh oh so so dear listener so we we have like our own you know little 
whatsapp chat thing with the with, between the the four original guitar nerds hosts and when matt when matt posted what he's purchased i went absolutely spare like i couldn't believe it i had to like go into emma my partner's office which is across from me and stop what she was doing and tell her all about this like i was i like i messaged my band like i was so excited like matt and mark uh, sorry, Mark and Jay couldn't have cared less that this was <laughs> happening. They they barely even uh, <laughs> they barely even replied to the fact this had happened. Matt, please tell the dear listeners so, the amazing thing you've done. I I was in the pub uh, as all good um, as, <laughs> as all good last minute purchases start, and um, I had received an email from everyone's favourite used gear dealer, Soundgas. Um, oh, they are good. Yes, they they have, you know, I, I guess in some ways I would say they've reinvigorated the interest in a lot of cool vintage and quirky gear uh, and have certainly been selling a lot of Space Echoes, which has no doubt helped us uh, as well as we're, we're helping them. But they, they sell a lot of stuff. Um, they are certainly at the upper end of the price market, but their quality is always very good. Everything is always serviced to the nth degree. That I think is the is the gist. You're not getting a deal as such. What you are getting is something very high quality that you can't get in a lot yeah. of other places. And usually comes with a lot of provenance. Comes, you know, they don't put anything out that's not good enough that you couldn't go and use it straight away for example. Um, and But what they've started doing is auctions. Um, so some gear that perhaps they feel, I don't know, maybe they can't put a price on it or maybe there's a lot of interest and they feel it would be better to do an auction. They actually run auctions off their own page. They don't do the auction via like eBay, for example. And uh, recently I, I was in the pub and got an email and it was like, oh, ending soon. Some of the items in ed o'brien's auction so of course ed o'brien of, of radiohead and i had seen previously the week before that he was selling his clon uh which i think ended up going for eight thousand dollars what I, I think went for about eight thousand dollars no no idea who bought, bought it um someone's got some serious cash to burn uh, but the great thing was that 10 percent off the final price was also donated to charity um and I was like, oh, I wonder what sort of other stuff there is. And there was a Line 6 Delay Pro rack unit. Now, long-term listeners of the podcast will know that I used to have one. Foolishly sold it because that's what you do when you just like, <laughs> oh, I just, oh, I'm not using it. I'll sell it. I'll buy something else. And and as soon as I sold it, instantly regretted it. And I was like, you know, recently I was like, oh, I really want to buy another one. And, you know, the prices are just going a bit like haywire at the moment. I, I I certainly feel that the second-hand price is probably crashing a little bit at the moment, I think, with inflation, the cost think? of living. I think second-hand stuff is, I don't know, I think some second-hand products, some highly desirable second-hand products, have been, like, hyperinflated over the last, like, two years. And I think that bubble is perhaps... 
bursting. I, I, I really hope that um, it is because secondhand stuff is. I mean, I, I say this as a person that I sell an awful lot of secondhand stuff, so that's terrible. If it, if yes, it bursts. But, I know, maybe not good for but, you, but I, no, no, no. But actually, as a, I, I would, I am more interested in the fact. I, I don't want to rip people off. I am more interested in buying, and to be honest, the market at the moment for buying is. I, it's hard to see why you would buy secondhand at the moment. Yeah, I mean, there's some things that I've seen go secondhand to the same price they are new. It's just that you can't buy them new, and people, you know, yeah. supply and demand. Yeah. But, but well, you know, we, we Matt, we spoke about this, you know, on our private you know, aforementioned, uh, aforementioned uh, WhatsApp with the with the other fellas about the, you know, the signature models of punk rockers from the '90s at the moment, like. The fact is that Mark Hoppus uh, P bases, but that's the precision bass that's in, in a jazz bass body. That is the Mark Hoppus Blink One Eighty Two signature model that was five nine nine off the shelf at, at GAK. You know, sort of pounds that is, dear listener. Um, is is now selling for eleven hundred pounds on Reverb. Mm. You know, quite comfortably, which is incredible. Yeah, it's. Um, I think you know, and and I was saying you know in, in previous weeks that. Um, things like all the Moog pedals and stuff, you know, have been getting like crazy prices. And I'm starting to see like people have had them for crazy prices for quite some time and then not sold them. And then they're like, right, I need to like, I need to sell it. So I'm, you know, I need to take a deal on it or whatever. Um, so yeah, anyway, back to the, back to the story of this auction. So I guess they decided to put it up for an auction for a, a, a reason. Um, and I just don't know if that's perhaps the way that maybe their customers purchase things or what, or whether I just caught this at the right time. Um, but I put a bid on it and I was like, given what they normally sell for, I was like, there's absolutely no way I, I'm going to, I'm going to win this. Um, but I put the bid on. Oh, so you weren't even bidding almost seriously. Yeah. I was sort of like, I- I'll put something that I'm with. I, I bid what I was willing to spend on it. I wasn't going to be like, I'm going to bid like crazy money because it's Ed O'Brien or anything. I was like, I think this is what it's worth. I think what they're going for is perhaps maybe too much money. But then I was like, at least some of it goes to charity. So whatever I've bid, you know, some's going to charity. And the thing about the sound gas um, auctions is when you bid, it adds an extra five minutes onto the... uh, Onto the time, um, there was a big boom of a, a similar type auction website that was like supposed to be like the anti eBay for a while. I don't even remember. There was like, oh, I got a new MacBook for seventeen pounds. Like this was like ten years ago because basically the auction started at like one minute to go at ninety nine p. But every time you bid, it added like thirty seconds on. Like a real auction, I guess is is the main thing. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so anyway, so I put a bid on it. And that was it. The price never changed. And I was like, wow. that is amazing. So long story oh, short. Wait, you only did one bit. I only did you one even- bit. <laughs> so uh, long story short, I bought Ed O'Brien's uh, Line 6 Delay Pro. Uh, for 99p. For 99p. No, <laughs> I did not pay 99p for it. I paid a reasonable price for it. Um, and I have no idea uh, what it was used on. I think... A lot of the gear, if I remember, let me just have a look at the clon. I think, yeah, auction for Ed O'Brien uh, clon that he used for King of Limbs and a Moonshape Pool. I don't know if that was the same for 
everything. Um, surely, surely, with someone like Ed O'Brien, he has to at least tell you what he used it on. Well, apparently, well, um, I did actually message Ed O'Brien afterwards um, and said, "Oh, I I bought your delay delay level delay um, pro." And uh, we were talking about some stuff and uh, he's got some of the RE pedals and we were talking a bit, bit, of, bit about that. And I was like, oh, it's amazing. He was like, yeah, I've just got too much stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised. You've probably got more than enough <laughs> delay pedals ever. Um, so don't know. Uh, apparently it ships with provenance. I don't know if it's going to come with a letter being like, I used it on this. Hello, I am Ed O'Brien. Um, I really hope he's like, yeah, I used it for like all of this stuff. There's a great website, actually. There's a, there's a um it's a short segue there's a there's a website called the king of gear um which is the ultimate ultimate uh website devoted on as he as the person puts it a site devoted to how radiohead make all those funny noises um (laughs) and they go in insanely deep into the uh the world of um everything that they uh they use um so so what would you what would you like um that oh. uh, this unit to have been used on so to, to be clear this is the rack mount version of the, of the dl4 this is the rack mount version of the dl4 exactly the same as the dl4 apart from if i remember well obviously you've got midi and 128 presets um you've it's stereo in stereo out like the main one but you've got input controls and i think think there is one extra mode if i remember rightly um i don't know how i'm going to use it yet i'm i think the reason i sold the last one was i just didn't in really incorporate it i just sort of had it in a rack and was sort of using it oh, occasionally right. and okay. i'm sort of like want to incorporate it in with some midi obviously i've got the filter pro um as well so i don't know maybe um we keep talking about doing this pedal board build off and maybe i'll see if i can bend the rules and outsource some some rack gear into it isotope and native instruments have teamed up to create the start to finish bundle that home recording guitar nerds have been waiting for plus you dear listener get an extra 10 percent off with guitar nerds by using discount code nerds 10 at the checkout on isotope.com from the creative spark to the final touch their new bundles include pretty much everything you could possibly need which is great because it's far too easy to sink hundreds of pounds and a big chunk of your time into just picking up random plugins the music production suite 4.1 and Complete 13 bundle contains over 30 intelligent mixing, mastering and repair plugins, 65 premium instruments, 20 plus expansions and over 35,000 sounds. And if that's a bit basic for you, they've also bundled Music Production Suite 4.1 with Complete 13 Ultimate, which gives you everything that makes Complete 13 incredible, plus a colossal library of added synths, sampled instruments and effects. 115 plus premium instruments and effects, 39 native instruments expansions and over 65,000 sounds. It sounds like a lot. It is. It's very good, very comprehensive, and as we've come to expect from Isotope, it's very good value. If you're looking to get into home recording, I cannot recommend it more highly. And if you're already into home recording, it it really is the one-stop shop for making what you do sound better. This podcast is entirely treated and produced using Isotope plugins, and Native Instruments have been responsible for almost every synth or sample you've heard on our Guitar Nerds jingles. 
Check out their great new bundles on isotope.com or follow links in the description of this podcast and use discount code NERDS10 at the checkout for 10% off anything in the Isotope arsenal. So yeah, the question, your question then, Joe, what what record would I have liked or track would I have liked to use? I've been listening to a lot of the um, Kid Amnesiac like re-release of Kid right. A and uh, uh, Amnesiac. And, th- and that is, um, I love those records because they're the, uh, I think as um, someone at GAC put it once, Radiohead's bleepy bloopy phase, um, <laughs> which I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally into that. I think it's amazing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I guess that record came out in two, that product came out in what, 2000? Oh my two. god! What, what? Sorry, the rack mount version of the DL4 well, came out in two thousand. I guess it came out a similar time to the DL4, which was what nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. So, likelihood that it might have been used. It's horrible in... that I still think of that as a like a new product. I <laughs> know. Oh, don't don't. Um, I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, probably in rainbows, maybe moonshape pool, maybe right. king of limbs. But I mean, I I, I love in rainbows. This is an amazing record. Obviously, the most recent record, Moonshake Pool, is... Ah, oh, it's all good. It's a, there isn't a bad Radiohead song out there, Joe. There, there, there isn't. There isn't. That's, um, that's very true. Moonshake Pool, I definitely... that Like, I disagree fundamentally with my girlfriend Emma on this. Uh, I think Moonshake Pool sounds a bit like some B-sides. Um, but, don't get me wrong, it's still very good. Well, I think the interesting... The B-sides by Radiohead are still better than most things any band will ever release. I'm just, you know... Yeah, it, it, um, it doesn't have the finished vibe to it that King of Limbs or Kid A or um, or you, you know anything Amnesiac has. Yeah, I think. Um, well, I think the thing with Moonshake Pool is most of the tracks are old tracks, right? That a lot of them were. I think it yes, was lots yeah. of tracks that have been working out for a, for a very long time, but I think every Radiohead album is just its own tiny entity in 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 a musical universe isn't it nothing is consistent everything is different and everything is i I think it's probably one of the song one of the albums i've listened to the least but my my first real radiohead album i went out and bought was uh um what was the one i'm thinking of no what's the one that came out after the thief how to the thief yeah that was the first radiohead record i bought because I yeah. think that was the first one that came out after I got into Radiohead. Wow. OK um, Computer was mine, was, was the point that I was getting into music. Ah, man. Imagine going back and listening to that record for the first time. Um, I remember being a kid and not understanding it. I remember, like, not getting it, you know, almost to a negative extent because it was just so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, it's uh and i think it probably considering what they'd released in their other two albums a lot of people must have just been like and there's a great there's a great interview i think with tom york a quote from tom york after they played glastonbury and he was like couldn't hear myself for the whole show it's glastonbury 97 and apparently they walked off stage being like that's it that's the end of our careers like it was terrible <laughs> and you're just like no far far from it um apparently they yeah they hated that gig because they couldn't hear themselves and there was loads of like on stage <laughs> issues and you're just like ah, absolutely smashed it bruv <laughs> anyway yes. so uh yeah that should be arriving on my doorstep soon 
and uh, I'm hoping it's got all of his presets on it and I plug it in and I sound just like Radiohead and I write the next OK computer and everything is all right. I assume that is uh, literally what will happen next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, I want to return this. I didn't write OK Computer 2 and uh, I'm really disappointed. Oh, we will see. We will see. Now, uh, now, uh, over the last couple of weeks, Matt, you and I both got new Thorpey Effects pedals, and I want to talk about Thorpey Effects because, obviously, dear listener, no matter where you're from, Thorpey Effects are making some of the best quality pedals you can possibly buy at the moment. And I feel like, even though Adrian Thorpe has been on the podcast a bunch of times, I almost feel like. I don't talk about his pedals enough because they are extraordinarily good. It's just that you expect them to be extraordinarily good. So I guess they almost accidentally get less podcast time because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, of course, this is good. Uh, But you, Matthew Knight, got one of the new compact fuzzes, I believe. I did. Um, So Mr. Thorpey himself um, sent me a boneyard which was their limited edition um kind of take on all of the tone benders in one um these were limited edition so sorry to anyone who didn't get one um but uh (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah but i have had very little time with it apologies mr thorpey if you're listening to this but i've been on holiday taking taking a break um but i thought it was very good because obviously there's been a lot of tone bender inspired things it's as been of the late year of the tone bender hasn't it there's been a lot of tone bender um and i think what's nice about this is obviously you know the great thing about thorpe and every time he's come on the podcast and we talk to him a lot is that you know he is just so into what he does at such a minute like level detail in terms of the way things are built in terms of the components used in terms of the quality of the components used in terms of doing something different in terms of just i don't know everything and i think the fact as well that they've also got dan coggins um from originally from love pedal and then dinosaur now see a full-time member of the um of the development team um with thorpey just just the sheer level of detail going into this and amazing the range of sounds that you can get out of it, considering the sort of, I guess, minimal amount of control. So, you know, it. I think as um, my friend Stefan put it on uh, Guitar Pedal X, his blog, so it's a Germanium multi-bender, so Mark 1, 1.5, 2, 3, and 4. Um, and effectively, you've got a tone bypass, which is a common feature, uh, tone bypass foot switch, common feature on a lot of Thorpey pedals, that just cut out the tone stack, give you a bit of a volume boost, give you a kind of different uh, vibe. Um, you've then got a switch that goes between two transistors or three transistors. Um, so, yeah, two or three kind of, uh, again, varies between the different tone benders that might have, that have come before it. And then just level, attack, which is gain, and then feed, which is volts. Um, so, obviously, you've got that kind of, you can go a whole bunch of sort of spluttery sounds to something a little bit more uh... now that is the feature that you want he has thought things through there that is what you want from a fuzz pedal these days to be able to do both mm, absolutely to be able to do splutteriness but able to do that sort of thick fat thing as well yeah and i think the tone bypass is always a really good thing um 
for me as well because it gives you kind of like a boost without actually being like i i guess like a volume boost or like you know making things much much louder it just gives you a kind of different vibe and a different kind of feeling and obviously the original ones didn't really have a tone control on them they were just like volume and fuzz level um so the, the fact that you can switch it in and out i think is quite is quite nice uh, but the bias control is always good because when you feed it more volts obviously you get a bit more headroom and things sort of tighten up a little bit more and then when you sag it all the way down it gets all spluttery and you know kind of nasty so again just a really really good um just a really good sort of multi-fuzz i guess especially for tweaking and messing around and a bunch of different sounds they only made 250 and um they've been really that few wow i, d- and, I didn't uh, know that i've been seeing that uh, there's been some um secondhand sellers you know trying to ask for astronomical oh, of course. prices um so you know maybe i'll just never open mine and it'll just be sealed forever and then i'll sell it in 50 years time on my deathbed um no i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna plug it in and put it straight on a pedal board <laughs> velcro that bottom wipe off the serial number um <laughs> but yeah no i'm i'm really excited to well as, as i mentioned earlier we're, we're gonna attempt to do this pedal board build off at some point and uh i really kind of want to put one of those on on the pedal board something like this i yeah. think very you know do you just, think the boneyard will make it there as I your think so. of choice i think so it's, it's i mean we're gonna we've got a lot of news stories to get through uh and whether we'll uh actually get through them all but um there's a couple of pedals that have come out in the last couple of weeks i'm like oh maybe that that could go on the pedal board um i still haven't rebuilt the pedal board that i had before and obviously i've got a lot of new things um and a lot of things tucked away in boxes but i need to do it quickly because we're going to attempt to try and move house and a lot of my stuff is going to need to go into storage so i need to try and put something together pretty quickly um before i tuck all the all the boxes away in storage for uh six months wow wow that sounds awful i i, I, I know i don't know what shoes. i'm gonna be able to do without it to be honest <laughs> Well, well, yes. I mean, I, I spoke about this previously without you on the podcast, but certainly the the more time I have with it, the the you know the the better I am finding it. I uh, I got the Thorpe FX Fat General, their compressor, um, and it is everything I want in a compressor because it does that really squashed vintage thing. But because it has a blend, I can actually see every everyone bass players they love a multi band compressor because it does the job of a compressor without sounding like it's a compressor and and what we mean when we say that is when com- when you end up over compressing uh it sounds bad or a lot of people think it's, it it sounds bad and so the great thing about multiband compressor is it, it it can compress your low and your high end and everything in between and it can do it just right because it's compressing it differently for your various bands of eq whereas a simple old school compressor you're either going to be letting through a bunch of your high end or you're going to be compressing your high end correctly and your low end is going to be all over squashed you know so and and that there's a a time and a place for that tone sort of thing but most modern certainly bass players i don't know how it applies to guitarists but certainly with bass players they want the consistency 
The great thing about the Fat General is simply thanks to that blend control, I can get all the squishiness, which gives me that sort of John Paul Jones compression style tone. Mm. Um, I can get all of that, but I also, because it's blendable, I can still get the dynamics that you need for modern bass playing. And it's 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 shockingly unique that that sort of being able to balance things out like that is an, an extraordinarily good good compressor the fat general i've been having a great time with it yeah i think um i've always i think for you you'll probably get more use out of a compressor not just as a bass player but playing gigs and i just think i don't know whenever i've had i guess maybe this is the opposite of what most people would say but a lot of people like a compressor if they're maybe a home player because they can have things a bit louder and a bit more consistent right, right. At, at home but i always found that I just left it on all the time and then you sort of, well, I guess we talk about make gooders, but when you're compressing your sound all the time, I don't know. I kind of, I prefer things to be a little bit more open and uncompressed if I'm just playing at home. I think maybe if you're playing a, a, a gig or something and you're just trying to like even out some sounds maybe, but yeah, I guess for me, compressor is a great if if you're maybe recording or doing something like that but just to leave it all on on all the time if you're playing at home i'm i'm not so sure not, not to say so that this no. not to say that this pedal is not no, worth no, it because I, I think totally i totally understand what you're getting at yeah i completely feel like uh i find it very difficult to for example um i i haven't like uh you know the the my my band uh, we're in in the middle of like mastering a record so we're not band practicing at the moment so as much as i really love the the fat general the only time i've had to try it is at home and honestly that's not a good uh you know um a good way to try out a compressor because what compressors are certainly for bass is they're placing me in the mix so what i want a compressor to do is i i need to have a drum kit and the guitars and the keyboards and the saxophone all around me mm. and i need to still be able to hear all the treble coming out of my bass that's something i want from a compressor i want it to keep all that high end in the mix but also to keep everything else all my fundamentals really consistent mm. and you can never tell until you're actually in that space you know it's, it's impossible i'm like you know i'm sitting at home being like this sounds great and it really does sound great on its todd but i need to hear it in in the environment to really get a a, a kind of a true feel for it so yes i totally understand what you're saying you know, compressors are definitely a in-band situation, certainly for bass. Certainly, unless you're doing tic-tac, you know, compressors are going to be a, a much more subtle mm. thing anyway. Mm. Yeah, but um, I, I think overall that that anything, any compressor that you kind of want to use more of in your kind of sound and your set needs to be parallel, I think, because you want to be able to blend in that, yeah. that dry signal. And... Uh, yeah, why not buy a Thorpey one? Because it uses all the best components, and uh, there you go. Well, exactly, exactly. And and on that on that subject, I think maybe we should talk about the Thorpey effects, the the Scarlet Tunic. Yes, um, indeed. Um, which of course, an an analog amp emulator that is designed to capture um, well the the feel and the sound of Sid Barrett's Selma treble and bass fifty. Which is this is a totally new kettle of fish for, yeah. for Thorpe to be going down. Yeah, I think um what's really cool with this is that I think it's something they've been working on for like a number um a number of years. And I've heard it 
in anger, as it were, live on stage um, when I saw Nick Mason's Source Full of Secrets a couple months ago. So Lee Harris, who plays guitar, uh, one of the guitar players in that band, obviously it was kind of his request. Yes, I yes. Guess. This, the, the project is very much Lee Harris's concept, isn't it? Indeed, yeah. So um, he kind of you know, was trying to recreate that early sort of psychedelic Sid Barrett guitar sound, which was a sort of Selma uh, treble and bass. And, um, you know, he was like, but he didn't know what that amp was at the time. And as he started to get into it, he's like, oh, it's this this Selma. And then he was like, oh, well, nothing really sounds like a Selma. And I can't really take one out on tour and they're unreliable. And, you know, went out to, to Thorpey and, and it turns out that Thorpey and Dan Coggins um, have one. And they actually, you know, kind of use that to kind of, you know, create that sound of that amp in a box, effectively. Um, but you know, very much. I kind, of, I think, I watched an interview with Lee on Anderson's actually talking about it today, and said very much along the lines of, um, you know, almost like that origin thing. So you can use it in front of your existing amp, you know, kind of a clean um, pedal platform, maybe amp, and then use this to kind of invigorate your amp into that kind of Selma style um or you could use it into like a power amp and kind of use this almost as your amp slash preamp um almost it's all it's all analog it's obviously all just designed to be that kind of I think truly an amp in a box I know that's an overused phrase perhaps but Uh, listening to it I think it, it really it really is I I actually think this is the perfect term for that because Here's the problem. When people go, it's a Marshall in a box. I'm very much like, why don't you just buy a Marshall? Now, why don't you just get that amplifier that you want? Because if you want that Marshall sound, that's probably the only sound you want. Just get a Marshall. With this, no one actually wants to sell my treble and bass 50 all the time because they do one thing very well and everything else not very well. And I love the sound of them. But certainly, I, I, I know one player who uses a Selma um, treble and bass 50, and they use it alongside another amp, you know, in, because it's such a specific tonal thing. Um, so uh, just to be able to have that, to have that amplifier in, in a single pedal that you can actually bring in and out is actually very, very useful. Everything I've heard of this pedal, I'm like, damn. I mean, I almost feel like you're underselling it by being like somewhere in a box. This is also one of the best drive pedals I've ever heard, like mm. on, in its own right. You know, this is wonderfully articulate and bright and stabby and all that harmonic percolatory goodness. Yeah. But, you know, also a preamp. <laughs> yeah, I think, it, it. you know, the fact that it's got, you know, that that transformer in it just means that it's just more reactive to your playing and that's kind of what you want from an amp in a box you know it's not just yeah diodes and and transistors kind of emulating that sort of vibe you know it's realistically an an actual you know almost like amp in there that you're kind of you know you're pushing hard and you know using to to be dynamic in in your sound so i think this is um I think this is really, really cool. And the fact that they kind of also make sure it does the Voxy thing and a bit of the, um, you know, high watt DR103 type thing, I think is um, impressive. And I'm uh, sorely tempted. I think it it could be a really, really good bit of kit. 
I think it's a great product. I, I really think it's a very, very good product for just a utilitarian piece of gear that's going to sound blooming great. And it's made by a company that we know make incredibly high quality bits and bobs. Like, I've got a lot of time for this. This I'm into. Mm. You know, I touched upon it at the start of the podcast. I'm like, I'm going through a big sort of like, I don't care about anything that's not a real thing anymore. And and this Thorpe effect, I, I appreciate this is actually an emulation of an amplifier. But, you know, it's a real proper analog piece of kit. And it sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think um, that with, um, yeah, I, I, you know, go for that and... You know, even sort of like one of those power stage type pedals. I mean, that and a Electronics Power Stage Thirty or whatever it's called, um, and a few delay pedals. And I think you'll be you'll be well away. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, now, uh, there was a there was a there was another pedal that's come out uh, this this week. In fact, Matt, that you were pretty excited about, and it was from Keeley Keeley, who are who just seem to put out consistently absolutely fantastic pedals. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I Just on a, on a separate side now, I was thinking about this um, the other day about about Keeley and when I saw this, and I was like, you know, I know Keeley, Robert Keeley is known as a bit of a legend, you know, in the guitar community. I know guys like Blake know him really well, and he's known for just being a great DSP engineer and a great designer. And obviously, his you, you forget that his start... I think a lot of people now would forget that his start was in, like, modding pedals, especially boss pedals, and people would have known him for the BD2 I totally mods. Agree. I totally agree. I think people forget now. He's so established now that it's like, man, well, I remember Keely as being, like, these really bootleg boss pedal sort of mods you yeah. know, that you could get at the start of the 2000s, you know? I think he was one of the... Well, he was, like, the first person to really go out there and sort of mod it and you know and then he's sort of done his own thing and you know the stuff that he's been putting out and especially the stuff recently like this or like the echoes for example where it's so multifunctional in such a small pedaling closure i'm just super super impressed so this is the um his recent release is the halo the andy timmons jewel echo um so andy timmons amazing guitar player um, certainly a guitarist's guitar player um, and has been really one of the only people live streaming to a super high quality for a very long time and you know with a great great sound quality and he's got yeah. a great rig great overall sound but we have, he has this kind of halo guitar sound i don't know what the pedal is that he normally uses i've known people talk about the halo guitar sound as maybe being something of like the electroharmonics deluxe memory man but they're saying like a really yeah because it's got that the, the repeats have that kind of like halo effect you know they become very ethereal um but in they're saying in addition to andy's signature halo sound there's numerous other rhythmic delays in here including quarter note dotted note stereo rack mounted analog delay and a vintage multi-head tape echo so again i think it's all <laughs> wow. about stuff that sits in the mix that kind of gives this um sort of rhythmic um sound that's kind of got a, a reverb like diffusion to it and you know out of the box even when you look at it you're like it'll be easy enough to understand but you know it's going to sound good so you've got two foot switches you've got uh two different delays that you can switch between um you can have different obviously rhythms on them 
Yeah, the foot switches are A and B, which is interesting. It's not like a tap tempo and a on-off mm. sort of thing. <coughs> so I think the idea is that you can have... I, I think you can have both on at once. I'm sure you can. I was reading it earlier and then I've sort of forgotten. But 1500, up to 1,500 seconds of um, delay time. Obviously, it's digital, but it's, it's mimicked uh, quite a lot of analog delay sounds. You've got two foot switches to switch between two sounds as well as stereo in, stereo out. You can then also flick between presets and you can remotely flick between um, two different delays, which I thought was very, very cool. Like someone like me using a switcher, I thought I liked the idea of being able to switch between two different delay sounds, like a short or a yes. long or something like that. Yes, this is that's exactly what you want this pedal to be able to do. Yeah, because the only thing I would say is when you've got two foot switches that close together, it's the same as like Chase Bliss and stuff like that. It's just like it's very easy to hit both. Uh, rather than just the one, um, especially. Uh, oh, oh, I told you, I was actually going to mention that very thing. <laughs> like, it's it, when you get single pedals with two foot switches, it's like, it's great that you've done this. You know, no one can use this outside of their bedroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's no discredit to Keely or anyone. That's, but it's just like it's one of those things. It's like if you've got a switcher or you can, you know, do yeah, remote switching, I guess, and an expression pedal. That's what you want. Um, because yeah, trying to tip two at once, nightmare. I'd I'd almost leave this on all the time, and then just and then just have a pedal that switch switches between the two delays. Um, eight factory presets. Um, you can use one of the foot switches for tap tempo, infinite hold, and then changing oh, really? presets as well. Um, so very very multifunctional, but just overall just a nice take on delay that you know you could on the face of it say has been overdone. But then you listen to it and you're like, no, it sounds great. Like, it definitely sounds unique enough. I've watched loads of the demo videos. I think it sounds amazing. Um, so I'm, I'm super impressed that it's a kind of delay that, yeah, I mean, it's a delay pedal, but it just does a whole bunch of other sounds that I think I can really get behind. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a delay pedal in this form factor, which, dear listener, is a single pedal form factor, with as many jack inputs as this. Six. Yeah, yeah. Even I was thinking, I was, I was thinking, even with like Chase Bliss. Obviously, you've got MIDI on uh, on on Chase Bliss, but yeah, stereo in and out. Um, plus, you've got your remote switching and an external tap tempo, or you can have expression in. Um, I, I'm. Uh, <laughs> Super There's impressed. So many to fit into this pedal. <coughs> Not only that, obviously, all the knobs on the top panel have alternate controls as well. Um, so you can, so you've got time level. Oh, yeah. So time is a high pass filter. Levels saturate. Feedback is the alternative uh, control. Rate is tone. Depth is rhythm. I, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, super super detailed. Um, you know, obviously you can do kind of like a trail sort of true bypass mode, like all the stuff you'd expect. Um, but I really like this. I think this is a really, I mean, the, the demo playing was amazing, but then, yeah, you only have to watch some of the demo videos and you're like, yeah, this sounds excellent. Um, and I think good enough for kind of more of that kind of classic guitar type guitar playing like Andy Timmons does, um, all the way through to something. If you look at like Stefan from, you know, um, pedal zone, you know, and, and, you know, his kind of like post rock ambient type stuff as well. I think it's all great for that. So yeah, I'm super, super keen, not available. I think for another 
couple of weeks. Doesn't seem to be on many UK retailers at the moment. Three one nine in English pounds, two nine nine dollars, I think. But I'm. Um, it seems that that is the expensive end of the uh, of the. Circuit, yeah, I definitely think really things are getting a little bit more expensive now as people have started commenting in general. Um, but I think. You know, it just made me realise how many like delay pedals and reverb pedals have come out recently, and a few more that we haven't even talked about on the um, on the podcast. But yeah, and maybe you could say expensive, um, but I think for what you get in terms of feature set, I would say um, you know probably worth every penny. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's a fantastic pedal. I I, I didn't mean to sort of almost you know dismiss that of it. I think it's a it's a great effects pedal i just mean i feel like we're experiencing a time period where everything is becoming more expensive you know yes you know, i think things, things like the the meris lvx so like you know we we've talked in the past about like chase bliss i almost feel are single-handedly responsible for changing the bar of what price was yeah and i think that's a good thing um i think there's a lot of people out there who'll be like oh things are so expensive and it's like yeah things are expensive but you know if you think about uh, on the other end of the spectrum we've never seen pedals so cheap as, oh well know, exactly sort of... i mean you know i don't know whether this is an, a good parallel or or not but we were there's a famous chef in in the uk called tom kerridge who who runs the only two-star michelin pub in the uk so michelin star is like obviously the rating system you go between one and three obviously all three are very difficult to get but a two-star michelin pub is like the fanciest pub food you could ever imagine and it's me and uh, me and amy looked on the the menu and like, oh my god like steak and chips is a hundred quid and you're just like that's that's too expensive steak and chips and then we sort of like googled it a bit and he's like look i run you know a pub i pay my staff all really well none of them are on minimum wage They're all paid for the jobs they do properly you know, we invest so much time in like the experience and staff. That's what we charge. And I think that's the same thing with like guitar pedals now. If you look at Chase Bliss, you're like, yeah, they could probably sell the CXM for 499, but it also means that they would probably be like underpaying all their staff and, you know, cutting corners. And, and I think that's the thing now, isn't it? But like you say, you can go super cheap if you want. And there's some actually some great pedals out there for not a lot of money but i think the people that are charging a bit more it's because they it's good for their you know it's great for their business that they can probably do that and pay their staff and you know i think that's one thing that i guess we've seen a lot over the last six or seven years especially is just like how good not only the company the pedals coming out are but the companies behind those pedals are and how much they love doing what they do yeah you know, and every single staff member, Chase Bliss, Old Blood Noise, you know, all of those guys. I think that's um, that's the price you pay. And if you don't want to pay it, get out. Well, <laughs> well, well, you know what? Yeah, like yeah, like if you if you, there's plenty of options out there. So if it's not for you, there's there's loads of options that are that are way more affordable. I like I am absolutely the poorest member of the guitar nerds, <laughs> the original host. But I also absolutely spend the most on gear because I'm blooming 
love it. So it's nothing to do with status. It's to do with I really, really love gear and I love buying stuff and trying stuff and checking out new, weird, cool things. And that's why I invest money in the brands that I do. And if if you don't want to, that's cool. Like there are options for you. Um, But yeah, like never begrudge the brands that want to charge a bunch for the things they've put time and effort into. No, absolutely. You know, I think you buy... You buy from um, you buy from the brand as much as as much as anything, don't you? And you know you support and the people. That's why we talk so highly about the brands that we do because not only do we love the pedals, we love the, the people that make them, and uh, that's in, in very important, very important exactly. indeed. Exactly, exactly, Matt. And on that note, this is all the time we have for on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. You can join us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds, where we're going to be going over and talking about more guitar stuff. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month gets you this episode ad-free and early. $5 gets you access to the Patreon special and our entire back catalogue. $10 gets you a lot Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. Find us on all your favourite social media platforms. Join us on the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks very much for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Goodbye. Yeah. 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 Oh, shoot rocks and dreams.
Shabuki la buki alla bacca buji Sini bacca kamuka da noko da boka da lipa da papa da shaba da Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 